Good morning, Fitzroy. November the 1st, 2020. And November's have been good months for Fitzroy over these last number of years, but more of that later on. Uh, if you're a member of the Fitzroy community, then don't forget there's children's stuff available to you online. Um, Paul's doing amazing stuff with the youth. Uh, please follow up on that. Anything you need to know on the website. And of course, if you're a member of the website, you'll get our weekly diary sent to your uh, email inbox on a Sunday evening. If you want to give, you can do that online uh, as well. If you're one of our associate members, as I call you, from across the world. Thank you so much last week for getting in touch. Some of you getting in touch from different parts of the world and telling us how much you're enjoying this resource. That's really encouraging to those of us who are putting this together, whether that's the techie team or the people who do the worship prayers, readings, or myself. Uh, Sometimes it can be tricky doing it in this way. I tried to record this last night, but I couldn't get the lights to not shine big blue balls in my glasses. So I had to take a night to sleep on it and uh, get up this morning to do it uh, another time. So we're very, very thankful when we hear encouraging words about how much you're getting out of the service. Let's pray together. God, in a new week, in what has become an old, tired, pandemic time, we seek you. We thank you for the wonder of your welcome to come into your presence. In fact, we thank you that we don't have to beg you to be in your presence, but you invite us. Welcome us in by your grace. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts that we may see you and know you in our lives, whatever house, whatever apartment, wherever it is, we're watching and listening to this. We pray that we would know your presence. In Jesus' name, Amen. Oh
songwriter concludes Psalm 40 with these words. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, The Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, these words resonate with us in our present circumstances. We feel poor and needy. We miss the experience of meeting in person with others to worship on a Sunday morning. We miss seeing the faces of friends and new people who join to praise you as our God and Saviour. We miss the before and after conversations. We long for the richer experience of being together in community. We pray for wisdom and discernment for our leadership team in Fitzroy as they evaluate options for having corporate worship and other church activities. May they have, in Steve's words, grace and imagination in charting a way through all the twists and turns of our present circumstances. Heavenly Father, we pray for the pastoral needs of our Fitzroy family. We pray especially for those who feel most isolated. We think of older members in residential care where visiting is not even possible. We remember our students who are living away from home. We think of those with health issues that require them to self-isolate. Father, wherever we are and whatever our need, please help us to sense your gracious presence and support. Loving Father, good news seems to be in short supply. It's so easy to be suffocated by the bleakness of what we hear. Give us hope, we pray. Enable us to find inner strength through a knowledge of your unmerited love that is lavished upon us through Jesus Christ. May we find strength knowing that he endured the suffering of the cross for our sakes. In our isolation, help us to connect with you in a new and fuller way. As we read your word, may it nourish us with hope and love. As we pray, may we sense the smile of your face upon us. Give us opportunities to share with others in a meaningful way the good news of Jesus. Help us to know the experience of the ancient songwriter when he said, May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. 
May those who long for your saving help always say, The Lord is great. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, Desi, for that prayer. <clears throat> Thank you, John, and the band for that song. Oh my, what performances um, you gave right there, Norman. What a voice. And just that, hopefully, for Fitzroy, just that uplift. And for all of us, that someday this will be over and we will be back home in our places of worship. And just to lift Fitzroy's hearts and morale and soul again today, can I give you some incredible news? In 2013, November 2013, seven years ago this month, we launched our Fitzroy 200 appeal. We celebrated 200 years of Fitzroy being a community of faith. And on that morning, you donated for a project to rebuild our dilapidated uh, church halls. Uh, it was a £1 million project and we launched it in 2013. In 2015, we had a wonderful morning opening that building. Do you remember where we all cut the tape, all opening the building, and it took what I thought in my head three seconds, but ended up about 25 minutes? It was a glorious morning as we opened our brand new halls. Remember those halls now, as you haven't been in them for a few months. All that fellowship we've had in the welcome area, the gigs and concerts we've had in the welcome area, the young people running around those halls, the Alexander Hall and all the different rooms that we've been able to use, baby and toddler, all the stuff that we've done in those new halls. A presence in our community and my office, the Onyalaki room, is beautiful and we have benefited so much from those halls. We Opened them in 2015 and can I declare this morning that we have paid them off this November. So November 13 we launched the appeal. November 15 we opened the halls. November 20 they are paid off. And not only paid off, but can I remind you that we tithed the halls. Now, when you tithe halls, you don't take 10% of what you raise and give it somewhere else. Because you've got to pay the builders. You've got to raise 10% on top of all that you raise. And we did that and even more. Because not only have we a school in Arua in the northwest of Uganda, we have had a fence built there. They have had a well drilled there. We've sent them tax books. We sponsor about 50 children a year and also in the next year COVID trusting that COVID ends we have funded a nursery school 
on that site as well. That's without getting into the money that we've sent to Zanini Bantwana in South Africa, to Safara in India, to Tear Fund and Christian Aid, to the local community that we've uh, been involved with, with Food Bank and with uh, the uh, Home Plus and all kinds of other stuff. Fitzroy, you're generous to fault and I thank you for it. Now, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, hmm, I have a direct debit in the building fund and now that it's paid off, I can stop that. Well, we're going the other way today. We're saying, please keep that debit coming in because we want now to do the vestibule. That's our next project. We've been talking to architects. We want to make that warmer, more contemporary than it is without losing the historical balance of that. We want to do a major job on our church vestibule. And because of this pandemic, we have realised the importance of cameras and sound and screens so there's a couple of projects that we're still wanting to develop within the building so if you could keep that uh, direct debit coming in for the building fund we will use it incredibly well over the course of the next few years and if you haven't because you're maybe new to Fitzroy over the last seven years and you didn't even know we had old halls maybe you didn't even know we had a one million pound fund that we've just paid off and you would like to contribute to those other building developments please get in touch with us and we can help you with that. But today's a day to celebrate, to give thanks for the generosity of God's people in Fitzroy and the amazing things that we've done across the world. I remember saying at the time, if we put, um, if we build these halls, we will get £100,000 worth in Belfast and a million pounds worth in Uganda. We've probably had 10 million pounds worth in Uganda and well over a million pounds worth of return on the investment in Fitzroy. Thank you so much for your giving, your support and encouragement to the work that we do in our neighbourhood and across the world. Let us give thanks for that in a short prayer. God, we do thank you that in 2013 we celebrated 200 years of Fitzroy. And yet we didn't look back as we celebrated it, we looked forward. We could see the potential of new ministries, potential of reaching out not only to neighbourhood but across the world. I thank you for our new halls and for all that they mean to us, for all the spiritual nourishment we've found in them, for the sense of community and fellowship, for the fun and the joy and the noise of children and young people, God, we thank you for five years in these new halls. And we thank you for a generous church that has funded that. And we thank you that we can continue to develop the work not only at home, but overseas. Lead us, Lord. Guide us, Lord. Help us to know what we need to offer you, not only financially, but with our gifts and our time and our lives. And may we give you the best of who we are and what we have. In Jesus' name. Amen. The reading is Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger, and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you.
the Beatitudes. Oh my goodness, what goodness there is in the Beatitudes. Uh, the Beatitudes, this poem of Jesus, is this week's lectionary reading. And I found it amazing. I found two things that I hope as this goes on, I will come back to a couple of times. But let me, let me, let me, well, let me start with those two things. The first thing is that the Beatitudes is a subversive assault on all those who feel entitled. Secondly, it's a solve, a soul solve for those who feel oppressed. Firstly, it is a turning upside down of all the ways that we make our judgments in the world. And secondly, it is the key to the secret of contentedness. But let me let me get to the Beatitudes in a moment. I want to get us to where Jesus said the Beatitudes. So let me go back a chapter into Matthew chapter 4. Jesus has arrived and he has set down his hammer and his chisel. Now, before this week, I had no idea that Jesus probably worked more in stone than he did with wood in his time. But it was still chisels and hammers. And he's left down the chisels and the hammers and he has launched this kingdom. This new kingdom come from above. Repent for the kingdom of God is near, Jesus says. Crucial words. Let me unpack it by starting in the second half. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is the opposite of how the kingdom of the world has run since we decided, uh, told to us in that story in Eden, where humanity decided we would reach For what was beyond us. There we were, human beings, made by God, designed by God, a vacation from God to be those in his order of things in in the universe and on the earth. And that was our humanity. We were tempted to become more than our humanity. We wanted to be like God. So we reached, we reached up that tree for something that was more than humanity. And we ended up by eating it something less than the human beings we were designed to be. And Jesus has come in the form of a baby, born and laid down in a manger, in order that he would bring God's rule back the way it was intended to be. Now what that's going to mean is that we're going to find in God's rule, John 10.10, life in all its fullness. If we want to know why we were designed... Why were we created? What our place is in the order of things? And find a contentedness there. Then the kingdom of God coming under God's rule is going to give us that opportunity. But in order to find it, there's going to be changes. We're going to have to repent of the way that we were living turn ourselves around 180 and go in a different direction. Repentance, as Jesus talks about it in Matthew 4, is not what I grew up with, which was saying, get rid of the the cigarettes, get rid of the drink, get rid of the swearing, and all will be well. This is a repentance of a deeper soul level. This is about changing the desires of our hearts, the ambitions of our lives, and the direction that our souls moves and what we find allegiance to, loyalty to, and ultimately what we worship. Jesus has come and he has said repent, turn around, not so that he would spoil our lives or make our lives dull as it seemed to me that it was when I was growing up. Oh far from it, if we could turn our lives around we would find life in all its fullness. We would find the secret, we would find the secret to deep soul 
contentedness. Jesus has come proclaiming that. And then he says to a few guys, as he's walking along the road, guys, come and follow me. He invites ordinary fishermen into this kingdom, into the possibility of the secret of deep-souled contentedness. Oh, it is a remarkable claim, proclamation, preach that Jesus lays out in Matthew chapter 4. And then he takes them up the mountain. He takes them up the mountain. Now remember what Desi has told us many times in Fitzroy over the years. The mountain is incredibly important for the Jewish people of God. They saw the mountain as almost a place of God's dwelling. They remembered that it was up the mountain that God gave the Ten Commandments. The ways we should live as human beings. And so when Jesus starts this proclamation of the kingdom, he takes him up a mountain into that incredibly symbolic place in order that he might give them the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' manifesto of the kingdom. And that manifesto of the kingdom starts with this incredible poem, The Beatitudes. Now, Let me start these Beatitudes this week with something you might have noticed a little bit earlier on. Uh, My subversiveness decided during the week that it might be best if we read these Beatitudes in the week of American election in an American accent. So thank you to Gladys. Gladys, a member of uh, the main Hall of Fame Runners uh, in uh, North East America and we're blessed to have her around Fitzroy and Gladys read to us the Beatitudes in an American accent on the week of an American election. Now, listen good to that, America. The capital of capitalism in 2020. How are you going to vote this week? What are you going to set out as the desires of your heart this week? Particularly a country that still sees itself as Christian. How do these words sound into America 2020 on election week? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. My goodness do you see the subversion. And the assault on entitlement in this poem. At the start of this manifesto. This is counterintuitive. Our entitlement. Intuity is towards, intuitively we want to live towards all that the world offers us. In fact, advertisers hate the Beatitudes because the Beatitudes tell us where we would find the secret of contentedness and where we find the secret of contentedness is not in having all the stuff that they're trying to sell us because they tell us that we cannot be complete or we cannot be 10-10 or we cannot find contentedness unless we have this gadget or unless we have this number of this gadget or unless we can have these things and this house and this fame and this place in society. That's a world that Jesus is breaking into. And he's saying, no, no, no. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who meek. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if you remember when um, uh, Walter Storff was right here in Fitzroy just a number of years ago, he told us that that word righteousness can be translated as justice. And of course, this counterintuitively, intuitively, being counterintuitive, (laughs) being counterintuitive doesn't come without some hard repentance. It's not easy to turn around in your head the things that your life has been driven towards. It's not hard when you're so driven towards the stuff of earth to turn it around and repent and become interested in the things of eternity and the things of God and the different ways of God's kingdom. Listening into the Beatitudes, oh, not only in America, let's not just blame America, because we're all after contentedness in the things of earth. But these words come, and these words are an assault on those who have money and power and entitlement, and say to them, those things don't really matter. And actually it's the ones who aren't entitled that are the ones who are blessed. And we'll come to that word blessed a little bit later on. Let's change it for a moment and take it out of the American elections and put it into our COVID pandemic. And what I want to do as I bring it into the COVID pandemic is I want to read the Beatitudes as paraphrased by Eugene Peterson. Now, Peterson's flurry with his poetry and uh, he's flurry, I think, with the translation of the scripture. In fact, when you're reading the message, when you're reading Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the New Testament, you're almost hearing Eugene Peterson preaching on the Beatitudes. It's almost his exegesis of the passage as much as his translation. But it's absolutely incredible in the Beatitudes. Now, what I want us to do is, I want us to hear these, as Eugene Peterson tells them, in the the struggles we're having, personally and communally, and across the world, at this time of pandemic. Let's hear Eugene Peterson. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever have. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. Now it seems to me as I read Eugene's paraphrase, exegesis of those Beatitudes that we read before, that we might find ourselves turning from Beatitudes that are a call to a different way to live, a call to repentance and turning around, which is part of the deal. That's number one in these Beatitudes. But number two is this secret of contentedness. Here we are in this pandemic. We're seven months on. It's possible from what I'm hearing as I preach that we'll be into a total lockdown later this week. How does that make us feel? We're anxious. We're a little bit fearful. We're concerned. 
We're at the end of our rope. Talked about being at Tether's End just the other week. We're at the end of our rope. And right here in the Beatitudes, Jesus, or Eugene Peterson, via Eugene Peterson, speaks into this feeling in pandemic. At the end of our rope. Blessed are those at the end of their rope. Is that how you're feeling? Why would you be blessed at the end of your rope in a pandemic? Well, when you're at the end of your rope, Eugene translates or paraphrases, then you can learn to trust God's rule, God's kingdom. God's kingdom is not about our entitlement or our rights or our freedoms. It's about God's rule of selflessness, putting others first and allowing God his place. You're blessed when you've lost that which is most dear to you. How on earth are you blessed when you've lost a loved one? I've grieved with you. I've grieved myself. But the Beatitudes tell us that we're blessed when we grieve because the God of comfort can be experienced maybe more fully in that time of grief. But I don't want to in the pandemic just limit that to the loss of people. Some of us are worried about losing jobs. Some of us are worried about losing a Christmas with loved ones. Some of us are are worried about losing the house because we might have to, you know, sell this one and buy a smaller one. Some of us are worried about losing that second holiday. There's all kinds of things that pandemics are causing us to lose. Eugene tells us that when we've lost that which is most dear to us, we might find that after all, God is more dear to us than any of that stuff or those people that we've lost. And then, blessed are those who are meek. Eugene says, blessed are those who are content with just who they are. Not striving with any narcissism, not striving striving with any superego to be the most important human being on the planet, but content in just who we are. Because Eugene suggests that the meek inherit the earth by becoming proud owners of everything that cannot be bought or gained by this world. The secret of contentedness of soul. I've said it many times and I say it again. This last week, Father Martin was tested positive for COVID-19 and he's okay and uh, he's resting uh, at this moment and very thankful for prayers. But as we chatted during the week, um, most days, I was saying to him, do you know it's like a retreat, Martin? Uh, He wasn't able to have a retreat early in the year because of COVID. And I said, this is a retreat. This is a place of testing, a place of surmising, a place of reflection and pondering. And it may be the place that these Beatitudes come to us. The poor in spirit at the end of their rope. Those who mourn and have lost that which is most dear. Those who are meek and are content in just who they are. Oh, the Beatitudes are an assault on entitlement. But they are a salve for the soul of those looking for a contentedness of deep soul. 
It's been translated in different ways. Blessed is the one we hear most. Makarios is the Greek word. Blessed seems right. Many translations have said happy, and I couldn't think that's more wrong. This is not about happiness. This is about something that happens even when happiness is not in the situation. Because I'm not saying that you're happy when you grieve. But you might have a contentedness of deep soul when you grieve. And so that's how I want to translate it. Contented of deep soul are the poor in spirit. Contented of deep soul are those who mourn. Contented of deep soul are the meek. Contented of deep soul are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Contented of deep soul. Now I'm going to challenge you and say this. In all the things you watch today, there will be things that will be better looking than Stockman. Things that will have more razzmatazz than Stockman. Things that will have better background even than my Karamuja children behind me. But the best ad you're going to hear today is coming through your screen now. The world will bombard you with thousands a day. Advertisements, advertisements, whatever way you want to call them, commercials that will tell you where you'll find happiness. The Beatitudes today are saying to us, if we want deep contentment of soul, a contentment of soul that is beyond the world's understanding, if we want that, then we need to repent. Turn around from the way the world lives to the rule of God. Because as we find ourselves in the kingdom of God, we find contentedness, contentedness of deep soul beyond the world's understanding. And a pandemic might be the best place of all to find that. Just a closer walk with Thee Granted Jesus is my plea Daily walking close to Thee Let it be, dear Lord, let it be I am weak and thou art strong Jesus keep me from all wrong I'll be satisfied as long as I walk let me walk close to thee just a closer walk with
Thank you for watching again. As I've said before, if you're uh, an associate member around the world, send us a message. Tell us where you're watching or listening from and uh, it would be good to connect um, with you. If you're uh, anybody watching this, please take the opportunity after the service just for a moment's fellowship. Send a text, send a message, send an email. Goodness me, if you want to sit down and write a letter or a card. But stay connected to those that we can't connect with in person because that is possible and that is important and valuable to people who receive them today. So let's do that together. And then we're going to do the benediction. We're going to share it with one another, but we're not going to keep our eyes open. I'm going to ask you to allow your eyes to fall shut. And then I'm going to ask you in your place of worship, uh, for those in Fitzroy, uh, that is Fitzroy. For those who sit around you generally on a Sunday morning, I want you to imagine that you're looking into their eyes as you share the benediction with them. Pray over them these words of Paul. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen indeed. Thank you.